1: Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we will explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats football history and its memorabilia of the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Slick Enterprises, we're live from the Wally for Connecticut home of Good Air and Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Good Air and Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridair and Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140 plus years of football history and memorabilia. Now you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections of football cards and football memorabilia in North America. Their website, msbsportscards.com. And by BST Auctions. Check out their website at BSTAuctions.com for the latest in all their new auction activity that will be happening soon. Welcome to the all-new 2017 season of podcast of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And to give our new listeners some background on our show, we broadcast 48 shows from the time period of December 2011 to February 2014 on the Leatherheads of the Gridiron Network, and now we are back. And now he is back, my co-host. And I'd like to introduce him. He is a contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine. He's a football memorabilia historian. That specializes in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Largent. He hails from Portland, Oregon. He is the one. He is the only. Joe sure. Squires. show. Welcome back, and welcome to the show
2: this evening. Captain, so good to hear your voice. So good to hear your football introduction again. I was smiling through that whole thing, just trying to keep from laughing into the microphone. <laughs> so good well, to be back, I- sir. I- I-
1: I think I drove Brenda crazy today because I uh, practiced it about four or five times in the house, and you could hear me pretty much uh, from one end of the house to the other.
2: But anyway, the minute you threw it out there, I was like, I was like we're, "We're working on a Bob Swick football ringtone at one point, weren't we?" <laughs> we are.
1: We are back, and we are back with a brand new 2017 season. And to fill in our listeners also on uh what we're doing, we're going to be broadcasting two shows per month through twenty seventeen. It may increase uh at different times of the year. We don't uh we we have to see how it goes. And we will uh have a guest in the middle of the show like we used to have. And now it's time for what Joe and I uh and many of our longtime listeners know is our talk about different things in the hobby, so on and so forth. And we're going to start off tonight, Joe. 2014 was the last show we did, and I know we talked and conversed via email on and off over the past few years. And I want to talk a little bit about what, in your mind, has changed in the hobby since we last talked. Now we're going to look at a period of roughly 2014 up to today. What what's changed? Give me some feedback. Give me some ideas.
2: Give me your views on the West Coast. There, what's going on? Uh, first of all, again, love the show. Happy to be back. So thank you, thank you, Captain, our ambassador of football, for putting this together again. And uh, you're quite I welcome. Point to. Out I, the I, I really,
1: I really missed our conversations. I got to say that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've said it before. I'll say it a hundred times during the, night, the upcoming shows. I've got the best seat in the house, sitting down for an hour every couple of weeks talking to the ambassador of football, Bob Swick. So uh, I'll, I'll go for the obvious. What what to me has changed in the hobby is uh, the awareness of high-end football uh, between '14 and now. Prices, uh, the, the prices. I mean, uh, take take for example, you know the you know the the stalwarts of of uh, the rookie cards, Joe Namath. Joe Namath rookie card, I can remember buying uh, PSA 8 for five to $6,000. This was, you know, 2011, 12, 13. 5000 to $6,000 is pretty much the price for a Joe Namath rookie card. Okay. At some point it hit ten, 000, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. It's in the mid-20 range now. Twenty two to $25,000 is the going price for a Joe Namath rookie card. So the price for that one card alone has gone up five times in the last two and a half years. So All right, well, There's no awareness. I gotta,
1: ask, I gotta ask you, I can ask you point blank on the name of the card. You think it's a, it's it's an actual movement by collectors
2: who are demanding that card, or you think it's a bubble? Uh, to me, it's a bubble. Uh, to me, there are, you know, it's it's always been the hobby is and always will be, you know, d- discretionary cash. Uh, you know, if you're having a hard time putting food on the table, you're not buying football mm-hmm. cards. You're not buying collectibles. If your job is going well, if you've got money flowing in, if things are good, uh, the stock market's up, you've got a little extra cash, it's time to wax a little nostalgia and go buy that card that reminds you of your youth. I mean, that, that to me is what the hobby's about, is uh, every time I look at a card, it reminds me of some point in my youth, it, you know, except obviously the Nameth card. I mean, that's – you remember opening those packs. Uh, you know, that's more yep, of a yep, line. Yep. And, uh, and but, again,
1: you know, I look at, I look at the 65 Nameth card, you know, a card that I got out of a pack when I was a kid, when I was seven <laughs> years old. And I'm saying to myself, okay, now, as um, many of our listeners may or may not know, and any new listeners don't know this, I'm not big on graded cards. The only graded cards I have in my collection, as everyone knows, are the um, Mayo Cup books, uh which are SCD graded, because I like the back uh, background of them, uh, the mm-hmm. way they put them in the holders. But I'm not a big fan on graded cards in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, you bring up a good point that, okay, if I take my non-pristine Joe Namath rookie card that I've had in my hands, you know, for the past, uh, whatever, 50-some-odd years, and I then take him and I encapsulate him for the rest of his day in my days, am I a wise collector to grade my card or am I actually, you know, not being the true collector that I've always been as to, you know, I keep everything in nine pocket or six pocket sheets or eight pocket sheets I'm not mm-hmm. living. I like looking at yeah. my cards. You know, and I and I you know we talked about this one time a long time ago. You know, the the big investment that people should have made ten years ago was buying stock in these plastic companies that produce all these great slaps. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I go to any show today and I see, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of plastic with the card in the middle of it <laughs> and all these uh, incredible different figures, uh, and, you know, numerical grading and so on and so forth, one of ones, yada, 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 The that, The that, subject that. The of grading. I, you know, I, yeah, and that's the other big thing. You know, and I look at my mails, and again, we talked about this before, I got 20 graded twenty and thirties, which should be forties and fifties, and I got thirties, uh I got a forty that should be a ten. So it it makes no sense to me, you know, after a while. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie in this with a quick story. This morning I went to a local card um show here in uh town over from where we live. And it was it was very, very quiet, very few dealers, so it's it's more of a neighborhood type of show. And literally every dealer had, you know, the wads of the graded cards every which way on their tables. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and you know, I'm looking at kids, teenagers, are picking up the graded cards, newer graded cards, and they're starting to negotiate on the price on them. And I, I'm I'm just like, you know, my mouth drops. I mean, here it is. A kid is going to drop $30 for a graded card instead of buying a box of cards and just you know, having some fun and opening up the packs. You know what I mean. Opening up a wax pack, and, yeah. And it blows my you and I were was,
2: both. You go ahead. Go ahead. You, you you and I were both raised that way. I mean, I I, I got into the hobby yeah. by opening wax packs. So did you. And it's kind of a shame. Yeah. The hobby's getting away from that. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna tie it in.
1: I'm also gonna tie it into something that I that I've seen. I'm sure you've seen out there is these uh, now pack rip box-break tables Mm -hmm. and uh, broadcasts and podcasts and TV shows, on and on and on. So I'm saying to myself, okay, a lot of these kids are learning from that. And my experience this past summer at the National Convention in Atlantic City, Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. walked into the convention, literally one-third of the convention was all pack-rips and box-breaks. And at the end of the day, if they didn't find cards they liked, the cards were in the wastebasket. And I was, yeah. I was real tempted to, to start the garbage pick. And I'm saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But I'm saying, how many you know kids in a high school or whatever, or you know, would give anything to see a card like that? And here they are discarded. out of the So how are you creating any any collectors out of that? You know what I
2: mean? It's, well, it's a, I'll, it's a I'll add an anecdote to that. I'll well, add an anecdote to that. My uh, my son, who just turned eight, is uh, you know obviously a huge Steve Largent fan. Right. But he should be. But recently, for some reason, he's gotten into Odell Beckham Jr., which uh, you know oh. I'm, I'm good with. He's he's in he's in the hobby. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my uh, for Christmas, you know, he wore wore his naturally his Steve Largent jersey over to my mother in law's house for Christmas, and uh, at some point, my wife's brother gives him an Odell Beckham junior jersey and it, to my to my horror my son opens it takes off his Steve Largent Hall of Fame jersey and puts on his Ouch. Odell Beckham jersey i know Ouch. i know Ouch. And, Ouch. Uh, Ouch. Uh, uh, well fast forward his birthdays i'm okay with that he's keeping it in a football family fast forward it a couple yeah, weeks his true. birthdays there and i give him about 10 wax packs of i just went into – the and then the Target and uh, mm-hmm. picked up the closest wax pack. And I haven't ripped wax. I don't know who the cool ones are, but I just gave him 10 wax packs. And he opened yep. them yep. and loved them and mm-hmm. found an Odell Beckham Jr. card, which he covets. So I ran downstairs, got him some wow. uh, top loaders, some top loaders, yep. so he could put the top 10 favorite football cards in the top loader. And he rubber banded them, put them in his lunch pail, took them to school. So to Great. me, that's how you Great. Create, create future collectors.
1: Now, you got to promise me, and you got to talk to them and tell them you don't want to see that card go out to grading anytime soon.
2: <laughs> you've so you've uh, the first kid in second grade it.
1: or whatever. First <laughs> or second grade kid with That's this PSA graded Beckham card <laughs> in
2: school. <laughs> so and they're, they're trying to swap out i You've rubbed off what, I've, I've started Stumble. to get away from graded cards, you know? So good. I'm, I'm, uh, good. I have, but. Yeah. Well, so know, That, that is- one card is an example. That one card is an example of the hobby, what's changed in the hobby to me. So to me, there's, there's an awareness, there's a new pack of collectors. I mean, you've got a Robert line who comes along who starts scarfing up, you know, rare and very high end. He's the new, he's the new mosh. He's the new, right. you know, he's the new fight right. for old DC on steroids because uh, he's, he's yep. scarfing up everything. Uh, and, yep. and good on him. He's good for the hobby. I got like I've spoken to Robert Castline. He's good for the hobby uh yep. you know, he, he opened up a museum to display all these things rather than stuffing them in a in a room and not posting scans up or anything like that. It's uh so Right, right. Well, you know,
1: the the one thing again, I go back to Greater Cards and I talked to several people at the National about it and they understood what I was saying. I said, Okay, so we got all these packets here and I see all the young kids are hanging out there and they get their one card. So I'm saying to myself. So in yeah. the future, the sets are immaterial, but we're going to have great collections formed of one or two yeah. cards. And then yeah. when the player falls out of out of the play, so what happens? So there's a new one or two card great collection. You know, it it that that's the part that scares me about the hobby, because again, you look at a, a kid is overwhelmed when he goes to a Target or whatever or a card shop. There's 24 different types of panini 2016 cards there's no more top yes
2: for one player there's there yep.
1: yeah there's only there's an exclusive now by panini so they control the market so basically it is in theory an oligopoly controlling the market and at the same time however they're not you know cr- nurturing set collectors of any any way shape or form and somebody like me you know old school i didn't buy one pack of 2016 this past season for the same mm-hmm. reason, Tops wasn't there, and I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I couldn't even figure out what the low end brand was, with the meaning. So I said, back with it. I'm not collecting it. I'm complete through 2015.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm not, not going to sweat it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You know? I've,
2: I've always felt go. bad for, I've always felt bad for the kid collectors now because I know there is one Steve Largent rookie card, the Tops 1977 number 177 right. card. That's it. There's no, there's no dispute. There's no argument. There, right, you know, right. who, what is Odell Beckham Jr.'s rookie card? There's probably thirty or forty or maybe even right. you know a hundred. Who knows? Cards that came right. out of his rookie season. I mean, right. Right. and that's where it starts to get a little ridiculous. So, you know, the, so the future of rookie cards, the, the future of master sets, the future of basic sets might be in trouble. Like you said, and it's nearly impossible to put together a set because which set, which set do you choose? I mean. Yep. You know, and the, again,
1: I looked, The panini, the panini
2: I, I, gold, the panini leaf, the
1: panini, yeah. And, and again, I look yep. back at, there were a lot of collectors back in the early 80s,
2: and we had our
1: Beckett books, and Beckett uh, basically did the football cards along with the basketball and the hockey cards. And I knew several guys who said, well, I'm collecting all the football in the book. And you know what? They were probably in many cases 70-80% complete on most of their sets. Because it wasn't 35 sets out in one season to try to collect anything, you had maybe at the most a half a dozen because you had food issues or whatever. Or when you had all the police yeah. sets start coming out, that was some fun because we actually got to see a team set published or printed by that um, you know that team through the organ you yeah. know the police organization or whatever it was, and that was cool yeah. to see. You got now you got some different uh, you know because you got different players on the cards. you got different photos on the cards. It was neat. It was a, it was, it was a fun, fun time. But then again, you go to the explosion with Pro set, and then 89 up, forget yep. it. You
2: know, to yep. me, it really well, –
1: there's so much stuff out there, we don't even know what it is. Well, if you're a collector,
2: at some point, you're kind of a completionist. Uh, there, there, there's something mentally wrong with all of us. We collect pictures of men in tights on cardboard. Uh, so, right. so at the base of it, there's something wrong with all of us. Uh, you, you're, we're collectors. I mean, different people have different addictions. Some people smoke, some people drink. Well, you know, we collect. Yeah. And, I think and I've football, always loved especially. collecting. I've always explained it to people as I, I know that in the 1950 Bowman set there are 144 cards, and I know who right. the players are, and I know how many there are, and I know how many cards I have, and I know how many cards I have to complete it. And when I'm done, yep. I'm done. I'm a completionist. Uh, if you're a collector, sure. you're 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 likely a completionist, and nowadays I feel like a lot of people who are collectors can't be can't complete either a team set, a a player mm-hmm. set, or a set. So you're you're not you're not itching that scratch, you know? Right. You're, you're right. Know, and again, scratching
1: that I'm seeing. I'm seeing now in the market, especially for a lot of the older vintage collectors, they're collecting. They stop at 1988 tops because that's the yeah. last year, and that was the last year for Flair in Action also. And they're saying, you know, I'm only collecting 48 to 88, or I'm only collecting 60 to 88 or whatever. I'm not doing anything prior to that, uh, you know, yeah. or I'm not going to do anything 89 up type of thing. And I understand where they're coming from. So, okay, now the, the, the issue is going to be in the long run. How do we nurture collectors so those – Pre eighty eight sets get turned down, get turned over to the next generation of collectors. That's what I'm very worried about, to, to say the least. You know, and and because of it, you know what's going to happen in the future. Anybody's guess. And I know, I sound like a broken record sometimes, but I'm always saying, what are you doing to nurture the hobby? What are you doing to, to to make the hobby move? What are you doing to bring new collectors in? I think it's a, it's a serious issue that all sport collecting has. Not just football, but you know, baseball, basketball, and hockey cards, also at the same time. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. One other comment I'm going to make about this past summer's national: uh, I thought we were located in a pretty good part of the convention
2: mm-hmm. and that people
1: would stop and, and look at the stuff, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But when the show opened in the morning, it was it was comical to watch the people running from the entrance to where all the autographed guests were. And wow. then after all that was done, they would start to edge their way up ever so slowly. So basically you could sit there for two hours and either twiddle your thumbs or just keep moving all your stuff on your table over and over again. But again, you got you got a show of that size and an expense of that size. And yet most of the people that are coming through that door want that autograph. And that's what they go for and they're in and out type of thing. So it's interesting. So I think Chicago's different. Chicago's uh is is gonna be the uh, national for the summer in July. But I think they're a mm-hmm. different crowd, they're a different buying crowd than the east coast. So it was, it was kinda interesting to see what was going on there. Do you see any uh sets super hot, super cold? Uh, you, you mentioned the, the boom in the pristine in the, uh, mm-hmm. star cards. Were you seen anything with any set movement, Any anything we should be aware of or not aware
2: of? Or you know, as okay. always, I have an article that I've been working on for Gridiron Greats for like the past four years, which is just simply called, What are the most popular football sets manufactured? Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably mm-hmm. about four years ago, I took a snapshot of the top 20 collected sets and I just went through the PSA registry and I just saw mm-hmm. how many people had a registered set of a certain year. And then mm-hmm. a year later I did it again and a year later I did it again and I'm getting ready to do it again. So I'll have four mm-hmm. data points showing, you know, the top sets and how they rise and fall. And
0: mm-hmm. without a
2: doubt, the number one set is and always has been the 55 tops All-American. Uh, okay. And it's Sorry. usually followed up by 57 tops uh, 52 Bowman large, you know. So, I mean, yeah, your, your 50s are your big ones. 55 Pops yep. All-American is usually ahead by about 20% of any other set. So, without a doubt, the number one collected set. I, I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. get to the punchline of the article I'm getting ready to write, but, uh, you know, that's 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 the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. I, I
1: see a lot of movement one way or the other with the early Bowmans, and um, and again, the fifty-two Bowman Large is one set I have started and stopped so many times over the years. <laughs> it's not even funny, and I just I get frustrated with it for a lot of different reasons. Number one, number one forty-four, uh, oh, which yeah. is uh, a killer number card. Jim lamford Yeah, yep. and uh-huh. uh, you know, and seeing seeing now where some of the stars are ending up, it's it's truly amazing. And again, even trying to find them ungraded in lesser condition is starting to become a real challenge at the same time, mm-hmm. which I find it, find interesting. So I can, I can speak from but, experience on that. I think there's always going to be a lot of demand for 55 all American and both the 56 and 57 pops sets. sets, especially because of all the rookies in it,
2: you know? Oh yeah. So I think that's a lot fun going to collect to be that, a hot. that we talk about the 52 Bowman set, and isn't it fun to collect that, though? Nobody's heard of Jim Lansford. I mean, it, right. unless you collect that set, unless you know. And I wrote an article several years ago on the 57 top set for Gridiron Greats.
1: Mm-hmm. And in
2: there, I, yep. just, I I ran through all of my opening line, which I always take a lot of pride in my opening, my preamble, I call it. You know, it's like Bart Starr, Johnny Unitas, Raymond Berry, Zeke Bratkowski. And it's like, who? Zeke who? Uh, yep. Zeke, if, if you don't collect the 57 set, or if you're not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you have no idea who Zeke Bratkowski is, uh, and he is the rarest card in the 57 top set, other than obviously the checklist. But uh, right. Jim Lansford, it, it, it is kind of interesting. You know, if, if you don't immerse yourself into a set, if you're, if you buy a complete set, or you know, you know then you'd never understand what the rare cards are, but Zeke Bratkowski, if you, if you drop that name to somebody who collects the 57 set, the palm will go to right. the forehead and there'll be a long sigh. And that's what I love. Right. What I love about immersing myself into a set is understanding. And then uh right. and then once I bought that yeah. uncut sheet for fifty seven tops, uh, you know, Zeke was top left yeah. on the sheet and I understand why he's such a rare, rare card.
1: Right, right. You know, it's funny you say on the on the fifty seven set, one set that I've collected, I put together so traded numerous times over the years, is the nineteen sixty <laughs> top set. And for whatever reason, I've always been attracted to that set because the Johnny Unitas is out of focus on that one, and he's got his fruit cut. (laughs) And it's just a classic number one card in that set. But in any event, (laughs) I always tell people, you know, there's a lot of different cards in that set, in my opinion, that are really tough to find centered. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you really want a pristine, near-mint-mint set of that, good luck. You're going to be really going through a lot of cards to find them. And it is doable. But, uh, yes,
2: I, I, Johnny was cross eyed in that, in that card. Back in, is what I was cracking at.
1: Yeah, it, it, Johnny you know, was cross eyed in that card.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: uh, I, I remember back in back in the late 70s, early 80s, going to shows, and for whatever reason, that 1960 Taps, literally any dealer. That was selling me their uh contraband cheese boxes for five dollars full of football cards. inevitably, I would have at least a dozen nineteen sixty pops cards in that in that box and i'm saying wow man this is this is great I, and i just i started making the sets up and i you know to really date myself i sold i remember one of the first sets I sold with that was like fifty bucks, which was incredible money when i when I sold it. But, uh, you know, over the years, I just see more and more of that. You know, to me, I just, I continue to love that set for all the different, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, the, the nuances in the set itself, because it's, it's uh, to me, so unique. And again, a strict NFL set when the AFL came out at the same time. So that, that's that's very interesting to me. All right, we're going to move along, because right now, I'd like to introduce our guest, who has just called in. Our guest tonight is a senior contributing writer for Gridiron Greats Magazine. He's written many articles for the magazine over the years. He is a football card and memorabilia historian with an extensive collection of Pittsburgh Steeler items. He's also a co-owner of both MSB Sports Cards and BSD Auctions. And I'd like to welcome tonight a familiar voice to our listeners, Mr. John Spanos. John! Welcome to the show this evening.
3: Hey, thanks, Bob. Hey Joe, what's going on? It's good to be back. Hey. Uh just listened for the last few minutes. I just just got home and uh called in and just good to hear your guys' voices again talking about football stuff. It's really refreshing and it's definitely
2: needed in the hobby. You know who Zeke Bratkowski is, right, John? I do. I do know who Zeke Brackowski
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey John. In your opinion, again, we were talking a little bit about it before you called in, and you're very, very active in the hobby between MSP sports cards and BSD auctions and at shows and and talking to collectors selling their collections. What changes have you seen in the market over the past uh, few years, especially since when you started the business to today? Well,
3: I, it, it's it's cyclical for sure, and I'm sure you guys already covered this, and and, and hopefully I uh, kind of go along with what you were saying, but I guess if I don't, that's not a bad thing either. Um, high-grade cards, um, PSA, mm-hmm. high-grade cards from the sets. Rookie uh, cards. For the registry and rookie cards and registry, registry collectors, uh, that stuff has gone bananas. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I, I like to liken it to the uh, – trying to collect Mona Lisas, but even though there's multiple Mona Lisas, somebody, everybody wants the best one. Uh, and, and Mm -hmm. you have a number of collectors driving that market. And obviously with the, uh, uh, the collection that's at the hall of fame right now, it it drew a lot of attention to that Mm -hmm. type of collecting that style of collecting. And you definitely have to, you know, have, have the, uh, the money to to get into that fray. But at the same time, uh, you can, you know, collect a set like I heard Joe talking about and go for eights and nines, but that's we constantly have people calling us and asking, do I have this, do I have that, do you have this and that grade, and and it's typically, you know, eights and nines, and, you know, that's all I collect now, and I'm putting all my money there, and that's fine. I don't think that's bad for the hobby at all. Um, it's just something that's that's driving the market currently, and I think probably yeah. PSA has a lot to do with that, just the bringing the competition into it and, and making it somewhat competitive. You know, I have the best this and best that. They like said that's fine. Um also I would have to say nineteenth century material. Uh definitely always draws a lot of attention and you know you have your your certain collectors that get into that. Others that don't find it quite as interesting and I've had people tell me this too, and I don't know any of these players and not really interested in collecting <laughs> it. Um but it's, I think that's a matter of, you know, somebody's taste and if they want to take the time to to do the research and, and find out who who Brink, Brinkthorn is or or uh or Hanky. but you know again that's their that's their uh prerogative. So again, that th- those two areas, um, programs and tickets uh always hot and have been since we started this, but just certain ones. You, know, you could you could still pick up some really nice older tickets for for less than twenty five dollars, and I'm I'm talking about stuff right. before World War II. Um, but if right. you're right. looking for certain teams, certain games, it, they they've hit five figures in some of the auctions lately. So mm-hmm. just
2: the program
3: yeah. and the tickets,
2: and you know, people know what they're yeah. looking
3: for now. The hobby is definitely matured, no doubt about that.
2: Yeah, I said the well, same I, I, thing, John. I mean, it just seems like there's a more educated, sophisticated collector on the market now. You've got people who, you know, who put a lot of homework into what they collect rather than bouncing between things. Yeah, and it's, I that's a I
1: food too, and it really is. I, th- I think what you're seeing, uh, like you both say, the maturity of the hobby to me has really excelled, in my opinion, probably over the last 10 years or so. You've probably been probably looking at a five-year period. It's matured literally over yeah. Uh Because, again, yeah. I, I, I still get from time to time people looking for particular things, so on and so forth. And talk about 20 years ago, you never saw that type of thing. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's a positive for the hobby at the same time. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. So, John, what do you think that means for – Say somebody's got, I don't know, a nineteen sixty four top set in let's say V G E X condition. Is it something they should just put in the recycling pail at the end of the day? Or do you think there's still marketability for lesser grade cars uh, like that? Uh, well, now I
2: I think that's, that's that's a that, good question. First of all <laughs> That's that that's that disgust me. All the <laughs> little is, little <laughs> yellow stars and hearts around the perimeter. There they're, they're right. hearts, aren't are hearts are not there? does not the second series have little little red and pink hearts around the border? Uh,
3: they are yeah. they are pretty yeah. cards. Uh
2: yeah, no, yeah. that's not <laughs> one of my
3: favorites either. Definitely for the sixties has a, a, a number of classic sets. I don't I don't think that one ranks up there. There are certain people like it. But back to the question. Yeah. I, I have a, a segment uh, a group of collectors that you know that I know, uh, I include myself in this group that is, is happy sitting around the, the, the mid level, uh, so to speak. And uh, I know for the most part those cards aren't going to be altered. Uh, I know that uh, you know that yeah, if, point. If I use my use my eye correctly, and I can handle a little bit of you know rounding on the corners. That I'm going to have a car that has good eye appeal, and it's going to be a fraction of the cost. So I don't think that's affected anything. I think my biggest concern um, with this whole market is, is kind of the hot potato mentality. You know, I, Hey, I've got the only nine. And then, you know, two years later, you check the registry and there, there's four other nines on there. And that's, uh, hmm. you know, that's, yeah. and, and I see a lot of that. I think they shuffling through their collections, going from one collection to another. I think they you know, check the population reports and, and go for the rarity. And it's probably not a bad move, but, you know, you have to be willing to accept the fact that, and I think this has already happened, you know, especially with baseball, that that your nine that you may have paid, let's just say, for instance, a hundred dollars today, might only be worth fifty dollars tomorrow, uh, right, tomorrow. Right. The market, right. that's just that might be. So.
1: And that's a definite issue. I mean, that's something that really, really uh, should concern people with on the market. But at the same time, again when when you get the big packets and you're going for everything, you know, and you're going for the best of the best, and, and you do it, especially in football, because it's such a smaller amount of cards as compared to baseball or, you know, uh, or doing a, a run of, of taps from 52 up type of thing. So, there's a difference between the two at the same time, but, again, I'm glad to hear that you're saying there is still a mark for, for those mid-grade cards, because, again, I, I fully agree with what you're saying, that you know, you can touch the cards. You can you can learn a lot from the cards. You can see the cards. you Can hold them. You, you feel the history there, and I think that's what it's all about. You know, you know what I mean. So yeah,
3: you can smell them too, right, Joe? That's important always. Got to <laughs> be able to smell <laughs> them. Hey, don't, make <laughs> I, I agree. don't make fun of Don't make fun. I agree. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you because I just got a consignment in. Uh, it was a group top sets from 1970 to 1979, and they were all ungraded. Every single one. Every single card. And um, mm-hmm. I opened those boxes, and I swear whoever and you know whether it was the person who consigned them or wherever he got them from, I don't think they they'd, they'd left the, the wax wrappers. I mean they they've been out of the wax wrappers for all those years, but I think they've been in the box since then. They smelled like new cards. They had that that top smell. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. real good, a neat smell. You know, it's kind of the cardboard and the wax and a little bit of gum left over. And I'm like, yeah. wow, these are 40 year old cards, and they they smell like they smell like. My kid, my childhood, you know? That's, that's a i that's not sure you going to go with,
2: they smelled like smoke. I, I, I literally thought for sure you were going to like, yeah, you could just smell the smoke. I get, I get smoke
3: those out. too sometimes. I can't tell you how many times I've left things um, sit out in my garage um, open to air out um, before I start doing anything with them, like put them in top loaders or anything. That's it's disappointing yeah. sometimes. But I, I get the smoky cards too.
2: And you guys make fun Show of me about hard. that. I I learned a long time ago, you smell a card, you, I mean, you know, how it smells. I mean, if it smells chemically, I mean, you know, and the other embarrassing thing I brought in that article is, I mean, holding it up, you know, holding it up to your face, to your cheek or your lips to see, you know, if it's wet. I mean, from, you know, I hate to say it, there's some bad guys out there. There's some bad guys in the hobby and and they're one, they're one or two steps ahead of us collectors, us, us dumb collectors. So you gotta, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things. No, I agree 100
3: percent, John. As much as I was picking on you, I've I've been smelling cards
2: for at least 40
3: years. So, <laughs> well, when you say it like that, John, it sounds really weird. <laughs> it is. We all are weird. So,
2: figure what we do. Yeah, without a doubt. I love it. So, well, you've got the you've got Bla- Blaisdell's, uh he started trickling out mike's collection how how was that i mean meeting with how that conversation get uh get broached john i mean just you know a a, a collector and it's funny you know bob and i were talking about mike i mean i've I've known mike you know quite a few years i met him at a card show in seattle and he had some 1976 seahawks fred Myers, you know which is a a local issue here in the northwest and just like oh good set uh, have you seen this card? And everything I threw out, this guy, you know, just had a, had a response for. And at the end, I'm just standing. There. I'm like, who are you? I mean, it's it's like the opening scene of Princess Bride, where it's like, you know, I'm the Dread Pirate Roberts. I'm like, you know, who, who the hell are you? You know, and you know everything about this hobby. <laughs> I mean, and over the years, I mean, Mike's just been that. You know, he's humble, first of all, which I really really like. you know, and somebody, you know, he's gracious. He's open with his knowledge. He's just he's he's just he's that collector, and I just. uh sad to see him leave the hobby but you know i think all of us get it but you know how, how'd that conversation get broached
3: well uh, he's been at, at the national party for the last few years uh i've always invited him to share a booth with us just to come in even if he didn't want to sell anything you know just to hang out and talk because i figured as you said this, this guy is he is the guy you know outside of, outside okay. of bob him and bob are the guys in my mind so you know and <laughs> and, and <laughs> and just to talk to Mike was is, was incredible. I mean, it really was. And and uh, at the national in 2015, it was in Chicago, I think. Right there, right. uh, yeah, He just, yeah. we were sitting on the couch talking, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to start divesting my collection. I, I almost fell off the couch. I'm like, why? Wow. Yeah, you know, no, no real reason. And was the, the the big reason being is that he was just at that stage in his life, and he wanted to downsize. Yeah. He has. He's kept some things. He, he did keep some things, and. That's probably a topic for another time, um, but he's like, yeah, it's time for somebody else to, to enjoy these. You know, it's, I've had my enjoyment yeah. out of them. It's been a good 30, 40 years or so, and and I'm 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 ready to move on, and and I respect Mike for that, and I'm very happy, obviously, that he had that conversation with myself and and Andy,
2: and um, yeah,
3: but yeah, he he just he made that comment at that point, and and, and
2: then we just went from there. So, yeah. but, well, I, I I assume Mike and Bob are top two. Uh, but somewhere in there I'm top five But I mean, you know You, you yeah, are the, the senior contributing writer I'm just a contributing writer to Great Art. I mean, you've, you've got that title
1: <laughs> Well, you know, I, so, I, think, I think unfortunately I think unfortunately it comes to, every, comes to pass In every collector's life Especially as you're getting older Okay, yeah. what am I doing here? You know, I, I know Brenda's not going to take over The collection if I go first And <laughs> my daughter has absolutely no no desire whatsoever to even look at anything I got. So I'm in a little quandary myself as I as I'm getting older. But also I'm not at the point where I, I want to liquidate certain things. There's certain parts of my collection that are me, and, and I'm probably going to keep them to the to the end. So it, it's a tough decision. And I and again, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad I'm glad Mike is doing it under his terms, which I think is important for any collector. When they're selling a, a, a collection of of his magnitude, which is so historically significant from the football card and memorabilia market, people uh-huh. are people got to realize that this to me is like a once in a lifetime collection coming out,
3: and yep. it, it
1: just blows my mind. And it took me a long time to digest when John, you told me first what was going on. I, I was I was literally in shock. I mean, I got off the phone with you, and I was just I was just staring. I, I was just in shock, and uh, I, I, you know, I understand, and in a way, I, I'm just saddened by the whole thing. But trying to trying to look at it in a positive way, we're going to mm-hmm. see probably things that we haven't seen at the market for years, and I think that's a that's a real positive for the hobby coming up, um, mm-hmm. especially with some, you know, uh, giving the uh, different collectors in our market an opportunity to bid on some very very rare. And historical pieces out of that collection, and uh, it's just it's just truly truly amazing. So it's been an education,
3: it's been an education for
1: me.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, it's 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 been an education for me uh, because it's it's forcing me to learn some of the the, the nuances of, of some of these issues, and uh, <laughs> you know, Mike's Mike's collection is complete. Uh, that's that's the best way I can describe it. Comprehensive, but in addition, he has companion pieces. He has advertising mm-hmm. pieces. He every for every set, oh. there's something else. You know, it's not just the, the 19 use the 1960 set. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a box. It's a wrapper. It's a wrapper that nobody's ever seen before. It's it's one of so more. let's uh, and,
2: so let's broach the mm-hmm. subject then, Mr. Spano. Uh, uh we, you know we've we've seen the we've seen the curtain pulled pulled back a little bit. We've we've caught a glimpse. Uh, of what's in Mr. Blaisdell's collection. I've talked to Mike pretty, pretty extensively. He's and he's posted a few things up and shared things for articles. And every once in a while, just throws something out. You're like, holy crap! I had no idea that even existed. Thank you. You don't mind if I put this in my article? Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, we we've seen your first installment. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the you know in the auction. What do we have coming up? What's uh, you know What are some other fun things that we can expect to see in the next auction? I think uh,
3: what has impressed me the most so far in this auction, and it's it, it's going to be there's going to be plenty of football in this auction, you know, in the March early April when it starts. Um, but the Overland candy, I, I didn't realize how rare they were. And if, if you know people listening aren't familiar with those, these are these are candy wrappers. They literally are paper thin, less than paper thin candy wrappers that were issued in the right. early 30s and early 40s. And for a while, there were only a couple known in the hobby, and then I think the checklist is up to five. Now I could be wrong on that. Mike has four of them, and he has a Sammy Bar. Uh, and the Sammy Bar, wow. I'm going online doing a little research about it. Like, yeah, let's see how many more are out there, if there's ever anybody's put them in slabs. There's no other ones out there, and, and there may be. Of course, you, know, you can never say it's the only one. But, I could say that, for all we know, it's the only one, or in all likelihood, it's the only one and it's in beautiful condition some some child or some young person took this and flattened it out you know seventy some years ago and put it in a scrapbook or wherever and it's it's beautiful it really is, and you know I describe wow. our collectibles as beautiful, but it's 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 breathtaking and to look at it to hold it, you know taking it out of the the top loader to scan it. That was a, you know, you talk about nerve-wracking. You want to make sure that you, know, you never know how the paper is going to act, and, and Mike had it. Obviously, you know, Mike knew how to, to keep his collection archived, but I had to take it out and scan it, and was very careful with it, but just amazed how thin the paper was. So, I mean, that's just wow. Thing. And then, you know, I, just, I go in another box and start looking for some other things, and there's, there's a complete set of Lake-to-Lake Lake Packers which I'm sure you're real familiar with. Wow. But, you know, they, they don't come up very often. Wow. So I, you know, I sent yeah. a few of them off the PSA and they're, you know, the Bart star, I can't remember exactly what grade it came. I think it came back in a seven. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the last one that sold, I think had a staple hole in it. And that was about yeah. three years ago. So, I mean, these are, it, it's just amazing to me, the completeness of it, his entire collection. Uh, it amazes me some of the things that he has. It, 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 the most, it, the care that he took putting in the collection together and how meaningful it was for him. And, and what, and the meaning he put into it. It wasn't just accumulating. It was piece by piece, one thing at a time, working on sets. And, you know, I have some of his notes, and he shared some other things with me. A, a, a true collector. A true collector. Mm. And The thing that I like most about Mike, and, and as far as, you know, the, the collecting standpoint, is he he's never came off as being, uh, you know, cutthroat or, you know, take somebody out of the. Correct. Of correct, correct. Correct. And he's told me that before, but he, for him, it was, it stopped at that point. You know, if it had to get to that point where he was feeling that way, where this was superseding anything else he was doing in his life. And you know, from the stories he yeah. told me,
1: that's it. He's done. You know, that's, that's classic. He's a classic class. man. He certainly yeah. is. And I think the big, that the big thing about Mike was, and again, knowing him from as many years as I have too, he always shared his knowledge, which was what, you know, what I thought was so great about him. Uh, you know, so, you don't read about this stuff. You don't know anything about this stuff. You don't go to any catalog to find any of this stuff. Well, explain to me what you have. you know. And, and he did all the time, and it was great. And I think that's what's so, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, perfect about the collection, because the collection represents that humbleness he has. And the collection represents the pristine nature of what he picked up, like you said, John, one item at a time, and, uh, and that's what yeah. truly amazes me. So, amazes me about his collection. So, I, so I think
3: just probably uh, collected about, without fear, and, and that's a, a good way to put it. You know, he, he there was there's yeah. no fear involved. He wasn't afraid that somebody else was going to get this or that. He collected for fun, right,
2: and he right. did it because so, he enjoyed it. He did it because he enjoyed so, it. And that's most. So John, in a total. Uh, Total dick move. You texted me a progressive proof Steve Largent rookie card that Mike had in his collection. Uh, so I'm sure, I'm sure the entire audience is listening with bated breath, wondering what other Steve Largent collectibles Mike had in his uh, collection. I mean, I, I speak to uh, the entire uh, hobby as a collective when I ask about Steve Largent items in particular.
3: There's <laughs> line, absolutely nothing. In fact, those cards were all absent from the sets. The largest were all pulled out. He said something about you visiting the house one time. No, I, I, I haven't really looked, but yeah, I'm sure being being in that area, he has uh, there's plenty of stuff. And I did see the progressive proof, and that, that is in Wisconsin right now. But that's uh, that's that all there too. Yeah, he's he has a, a nice Washington Oregon standard collection as well. And those are some of the things that yeah. I think he, he kept. Yeah, I think he kept some of those things to himself, which yeah. is good. So
2: and I I'm stunned neither of you called me out when I said the entire hobby wants to know about the Steve Largent
3: come on, gentlemen.
1: We're still looking for, lar- for Largent Rookies here on the East Coast. I've had more people at shows ask me, would you have a Steve Largent Rookie? That's the only card I'm missing in my 77 set. And I said, well, i got a couple of beaters you can have. I'll try to get you a good copy. I know where there's about 20,000 of them in Oregon. <laughs> so <laughs> Joe, what is the number now? Do you do you have a tally? Uh,
2: I, I I I you know, yeah, you, you never disclose, but uh, it's a little over a thousand. A
3: little over a oh, no. thousand. That's fair. No. That's that's not that's not compulsive or obsessive or anything. So that's good. That's good. Not, not a big deal that's, <laughs> that's borderline obsessive.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey hey Pop, me
2: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, I'm
1: yeah. I know I'm bad. I'm bad too. Yeah John, if uh, somebody wants to sign up for the uh, auction or wants to contact you about consigning, can we have some information as to how they would proceed on that? Sure. It's uh,
3: www.bst-auctions.com. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, Or mail at bst-auctions. You can also get in touch with us that way. Those are the best ways to do it. So uh,
2: we have been running a pretty... Uh, John, I presume you you put the S in BS. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly do.
1: <laughs>
2: and I believe also we have a, we have a link on Gridiron
1: Greats magazine uh, website also, so you can go into through there to to check it out. All right, John, we're we're almost out of time. Any uh, final thoughts on your end between either the auction and or the market? Anything else we should be looking for? Any other words of wisdom okay. you can offer our, our audience tonight? Just,
3: just good to be back, and I, I'm glad. Thank you, Bob, for doing this, and, and Joe as well. And uh, uh, the hobby needs this, and I think this is in, in this day and age, with everybody on the go all the time, uh, it, it gives it some accessibility to. You know, I don't know if I want to call it knowledge, uh, but I guess it is. You know, especially with the guests we have coming up, so it's, it's a good thing, and I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this again. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, John, for being on, and I appreciate it, and I'll let you go. I know you had a busy day all day today, and sit down for some supper, and you'll be all set. Thanks for being on. Sounds good.
2: Good luck against KC tomorrow, Johnny.
1: Hey, thanks. Bye-bye. was John Um, Spano, our guest tonight, Uh, John, filling us in on some... Great information with regards to the auction and the market, and I, I'm gonna, I want to go back to to one other one other area that we talked about previously, as far as looking at a bubble versus actual appreciation of value. When we're looking at, you know, something like the collection at the Hall of Fame, and we're seeing all these different mm-hmm. types of cards and and multiples of cards on and on and on, and uh, we also featured that as a super collector in the magazine a few issues ago, or last issue, whatever it was, I I, I found it kind of interesting to me that, okay, if I had, let's say I had a million dollars extra for my collection, what would I do with that extra money? Well, in my opinion, I would go after all the ad sets from 48 to 88 and then finish up the Bowman large and the, and the 50 felt backs and call it a day and say, I'm complete 48 to 88. Now, here's somebody with, with obviously has a lot of money to invest and spend in it and wants to have the, the, what we can say is the best of the best of a collection. Okay, so again, will that collection hold its value in the future? And or be is it contributing to the bubble of what's going on within the market today? And I, I personally think it's contributing somewhat to the bubble, but at the same time, it is healthy for the for the market because it is running up a lot of prices for everybody, you know. And and I think that's helping the market to a certain degree and giving it a lot of press at the same time. But is the press positive mm-hmm. or is the press negative? You know what I mean? That, that's that's what we got to try to figure out as um, you know as we go along. Try and understand what's going on with the market at the same time.
2: I'd- I think you're right on both, on both set counts there, Captain. I mean, you know, it's good for the hobby and it is a bubble. I mean, you know, you know, if there's a, you know, for a PSA nine, Joe Namath card for uh, you know, whatever the price is now, $120,000, there's only a couple buyers out there. Uh, you know, if the price is right, anyone will buy it. Uh, but the price has to be right for someone else. I mean, you've, you know, there's only a couple people that can take a card like that down, and if one person leaves the hobby, you know, for whether it's federal indictment or a divorce or you know whatever, uh, then you know, you, you know, if there's three people who could take a card like that down and one of them leaves the hobby, you know, the, you know, yeah, the market just got very thin. Um, right, right. So right. it's well, a think, self-created I- bubble.
1: I think that's also true with the Mayo set, because, again, I've been waiting on and off. I'm still not finished with that set. And obviously, you know which one I need, Uh, you know, the Dunlop. and It's got to be at my price type of thing, because I'm just not chipped up spending that kind of money on on it, number one. But number two, okay, so I spend it, I buy it, I got a complete set. That's another one that's going to go down to the bitter end. And is there going to be a market for, you know, how many years down the road type of thing? That's the other thing, you know, I always look at. Where's the market? Is there going to be a market? So on and so forth. Or can I just divorce myself from the market and just say to myself, hey, this is my collection. I've collected since 1965. I'll collect probably to the day I die. And that's it. You know what I mean?
2: That, that, that's what you got to yeah. do. Uh,
1: and you try still, to look at the it. The only example...
2: Yeah. The only example I would have of that is uh 1984 tops is probably one of my favorite sets. Well, I used to yep, want that yep. number one set and I used to spend a lot of time looking for PSA 10s. I, I wanted that set in all PSA 10. Well, at some point right. three or four other people joined the fray. The next thing you know, you're paying $250, 300 for a, you know, for a pop two or pop three PSA 10 card. Right. And, uh, and it just became prohibitive to the point where I was like, I'm done. Uh, So That was a bubble because once you got that pop two card and you paid $300 for it, you know, a year later it was a pop four and the card was going for $50 and two years later it's a pop 10. So, I mean, that's a bubble Um, and that makes it not fun for me. So, I I took a step back and said, I don't need this in PSA 10. When I look at a card that's a beautiful nine, the difference between a nine and a 10 is such a fine thing that uh, I'm okay in nines. I I, I literally just had an epiphany on my own and just stopped and said, I don't have that big of an ego to the point where I want it in all PSA 10 and I want the highest grade set. I don't need to be known as 1984 Mm -hmm. Tops Joe. Uh, You know, so uh, I stopped and I just worked PSA 9s and I I still look at it the same, uh, you know, and I, so to me, it's a hobby when it's enjoyable, when you don't lose, when you, when money gets involved Sadly, it, it sometimes right. stops becoming a hobby. And I guess each right. person has their, own, uh, has, has their
0: own.
1: And I tell you, that's where I lost a lot of steam, collecting the newer tap sets just to trying to finish the run. And I was short the uh, 13, 14, and 15 sets, and I made a couple of trades. I got a bunch of cards from a, a, friend, a mutual friend of ours, and I just said, i got to finish the run. i just got to get it done. And, you know, I just didn't have the excitement finishing that when I sleeved my last card of the 2015 in my nine packet sheets and put it in a binder. It just wasn't there for me, you know what I mean? But again, I can pick up my 1960, you know, number 23 Mm -hmm. set I'm making and just look at those cards. I could look at them for hours on end and read read the backs again and just thoroughly enjoy collecting that card. Uh, that set so yeah uh, now i i hear what you're saying i understand fully especially with with the set that you really relate to an 84 tap set you know of your youth and the same thing with me with you know any cards from the 60s Uh, i just i just thoroughly enjoy them one way or the other all right we're right we're winding down we're winding down real quick joe goal line stance I'm handing it off to you in 60 seconds or less. What did you learn on tonight's show?
2: There are some very good, classy collectors out there, and it is a small hobby. And I, and I love our hobby. Uh, you know, and, and there are some people who are very gracious collectors, and every once in a while you get to pull the curtain back and see what they got, and it's, it's kind of cool. I learned that John Sparrow a senior uh, contributing Writer and I'm a contributing writer, so I've got a little bit of title envy there. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get those articles out. We need them. So <laughs> I do. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's where. You gotta it pump goes them by. out. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to what the next you know uh, BST BST MSB auction has for uh, you know for selling the, the collection off. Uh, Mike's just like you said, he's got that once in a lifetime, once in a decade. Do you see that go down? I mean. There, there's a couple people with collections like that. I mean, it's Carl. It's you know Andy Becker. Yep. I mean, there's just certain people yep. with collections collections of that cl- caliber. And I, I don't even consider yep. my collection to be of that caliber. It's just I'm a you know a, I'm I'm a I'm a bystander when it comes to to you know monster collectors like that. So uh, I love seeing it. I agree.
1: I agree. All right, we're on a two minute warning. Joe, any more thoughts?
2: Oh, Seahawks to the Super Bowl! Chicago <laughs> National. I'll be seeing you. I'll be seeing you there. You
1: I'll better, be, I'll you be seeing you at the uh,
2: National. I will be. I will be. I missed we're, last We're going to be out year.
1: there. We'll be out there the whole week. We'll be coming home uh, Sunday. So hopefully, I'll see a lot of uh, old friends and readers of GG and uh, check out all the. Very, very unique memorabilia we'll be seeing there, and maybe there'll be some new discoveries in the market. Who knows? Anything is possible as, as we go along. And I think it's going to be a different yeah. crowd than what we saw in Atlantic City, and yeah, uh, yeah. it should be interesting to say the least. Um,
2: I didn't it, make it to AC; it's, it's good, just, it good was
1: to good. be at any national <laughs> show. It's good to see that stuff. It's 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 great for the yeah. hobby. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, All right. yeah, I've Let's missed the last two
2: nationals, so I'm really looking forward to making it
1: out. We're gonna be calling it quits now. I want to say goodnight to you and I want to say goodnight to our loyal readers and listeners of Gridiron Grace magazine and our podcast. where the legends of the Gridiron. will always live on. Thank you for listening and we'll be back pretty soon with our next show.
2: Thank you. <laughs>